0: I believe that uh, God's going to get very up close and personal to us. This is going to be a heart-to-heart matter today. We're starting a new series today that we are calling, Why? Why? And it's a simple question, why? But I I, want to tell you where we're we're coming from with this. In this series, we're going to be exploring the topic of generosity. 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 And, I'm gonna, I, I, and I want to say this to you up front that I feel inspired to teach on this by the Holy Spirit because this is usually the time where many people feel generous. But therein lies the problem because generosity is not a feeling. Generosity is not something that we do on a momentary basis. Generosity is a lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen. It's a lifestyle. And so I want to be very clear... We're not taking a second offering today. Let me just start off by saying that. Because people start shaking in their boots. People get offended when it comes to talking about generosity and specifically when it comes to talking about money. But I'll have you know, if you, and you can study this on your own, that the scriptures are very clear that Jesus spoke more about the issue of money than he did about anything else. And there's a reason why, because money has a way of capturing our heart, of seizing upon our heart. And so we're going to look at the scriptures, and I'll just be very transparent and say that through this series, my intent is not to take advantage or manipulate anyone's willingness to be generous, not doing this to get in your pockets. I just want to be very clear. That's not what we do here at Church of the Bridge. God has always supplied. God has always increased. God has always opened doors for us. And, And I'm going to tell you this, when it comes to generosity, if you do it out of compulsion, Let me just be very clear. Don't do it in this house. If you do it because you feel forced, please don't do it here. Don't do it here because it's not with the right heart. Amen? So I just want to be very clear about that. And I'll also say this because some of you, you're you're going to receive this this link this week via text message. And if you haven't signed up for text messages, I would encourage you to do so. You're going to receive a link. And we're going to tell you about some things that we're going to be doing in this next coming year. We are going to take a year-end offering. That has nothing to do with this series. But we want to be very purposeful about making an impact for this next year. Amen? So don't take that as a surprise and go, oh, this is why he's preaching on generosity. That is not the case. For those of you that don't know me, get to know me. For those of you that do know me, here's what you'll know about about me here at Church at the Bridge and how we do things here. We do everything unto the Lord. We don't do it to manipulate anyone, amen? So I just wanted to get that out the way. Now, most people view generosity through the lens of what we're doing for others, right? When we feel generous, we think about doing something for someone else and the impact that it will have on somebody else's life. And there's nothing wrong with that to an extent. As we're going to see through this series, generosity in the life of a believer is not really about what you do for others, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say. It's about what God wants to do to you. It's about what God wants to do to you, to to your life. It's what God wants to build in you and create in you. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be learning on this issue of generosity and the power that it has to change us. How being generous changes us. And yes... Yes, you're right, because some of you are thinking it. He's going to talk about money. Absolutely, I'm going to talk about it. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to talk about it. We're just going to look at the scriptures. Amen? Amen. So if you're feeling a little squeamish, listen in today, because I believe this will bless your heart. Today, I want to invite you into an intimate discussion with God. We're going to look at God's word. I'm not here to give you my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter here. We're going to look at the scriptures, and I want you to literally Weigh the truth of the scriptures and see what God is speaking to you as it pertains to this topic. Today, we're going to be talking on the topic of it changes your heart. It changes your heart. Generosity changes your heart. You know, the truth is that generosity does not start with what we give, it does not start with how much we give. It doesn't even pertain to if we give. Generosity is immaterial. Because it doesn't start in your hands. It starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. A generous life is the result of a generous heart. That's the heart of God. You got to understand that God is a giver. And when we give, what we literally do is we resemble most our God. We resemble our God. And last time I checked, God is a giver. He's a good giver. He's a big giver. He's a generous giver. And so I'm going I'm to make this point again. Generosity is immaterial. It doesn't have to do with material, although material plays a part in it. But it's immaterial because it doesn't start in our hands. It starts in our hearts. And I'm just going to throw this question out there for you to really start thinking about. Are you truly generous? Are you really generous? Are you generous unto the things of the Lord? Are you generous in meeting needs? I'm talking about what you call your money. That's what I'm talking about here. Because, oh, I'm generous with my time. Great. I'm generous with with my talent. Great. But we're talking about the whole package. And I want you to consider, are you truly generous? You know, one day Jesus was teaching a mass crowd. He was teaching them on life according to God's kingdom. It's a system. It's a way of life. And while he was teaching on the kingdom of God and its ways, all of a sudden, a man cries out. He literally interrupts Jesus in the midst of his teaching. He interrupts Jesus about a matter that greatly distressed him. It was an issue about money. It was an issue about money. And he turned to Jesus seeking a financial solution. He wanted an answer. He wanted Jesus to intervene in this financial dispute. And what's interesting is that Jesus addressed the heart of that matter, the real issue. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Go ahead and tell somebody you're about to get blessed. Tell somebody else, you're about to get blessed. Starting at verse 13 in Luke 12, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, meaning Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell him to give me money. Tell him to give me a part of what he received that I didn't receive. And Jesus replied, Man, come on, man. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He's speaking to this man. He's speaking to his heart. He says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. So now Jesus introduces a parable which is a means by which he would convey kingdom principles, the ways of God, the instruction of God. Let me just be very clear. The commandment of God. In a very practical way. And listen to what he says. He says in this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will give, who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich. Listen to this, toward God. Toward God. So what we see here is that this man really had no interest in mending any ties with his brother. He wasn't concerned with the drama that existed between him and his brother. He just wanted money. He wanted money. And he wanted to leverage God to intervene to get him money. And according to the parable, what we see is it was for him self. It was about himself. It was about his possessions. It was about what gave him some sense of security. Does this start to resonate with some of us? I want you to think about this. Our approach to money. Our approach to finances. Our approach to possessions. And what we see here is that this man had a blockage in his heart. He was suffering a massive heart attack and he did not know it. There was an issue of the heart. And so from this parable we see that the issue wasn't money in this man's life. It was a faulty belief system in his heart. He had come to believe that his life consisted it consisted upon what he had in other words his life depended on what he had instead of on the one who was offering him something greater in this moment and I want you to consider something my friends whether you know this or not God is offering each and every one of us something greater something greater Riches are not based on possessions. And let me just just speak to someone's heart here because you need to hear this. If you find yourself uncomfortable with this topic, gauge what's happening in your heart. Gauge what's happening in your heart and listen to the scriptures. And so he came to believe that his life consisted upon what he had. Instead of what Jesus was offering him. It's for this reason that a few verses down in verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Listen to this. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. You ever find yourself in a tight situation? You ever been there in life? Come on now, I know I'm talking to some people here. We've all been there. Isn't it interesting that somehow you made it? No, it's not somehow. It's some who. It's some who. We fail to realize that. And then Jesus goes on to stress this matter matter further in verses 32 through 34 where he says, Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased, listen to this, to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Listen to verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Now I want you to consider what Jesus is saying about our hearts, about our beliefs in this matter, because he's addressing a money issue. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Let me put it to you this way. I want to encourage you to do something. Go back and look over your bank records over the year. And ask yourself, review it, and ask yourself this question. How much of this have I actually devoted unto the kingdom? Your bank statement will tell you something about where your treasure is. Man, it's quiet in here. I need this right now. I know you don't need it, but I need this right Say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Woo! Thank you, thank you. I felt that love. Listen, this man was worried about money and everything that he believed money could afford him. But his erroneous belief was robbing him of the kingdom of God, the life that was possible through the kingdom of God. Can I tell you from personal experience, the person who is not generous in the kingdom is the person who always finds themselves pressed in life. That's a proven fact. It's a proven fact. It's a proven fact. And I want you to notice where treasures lie according to this parable. It's not in your bank account. It starts in your heart. Starts in the heart. So I ask you this question again. Are you truly generous? Don't beat yourself up about this if you find yourself on the wrong end of that stick. Listen to the word of God and turn it around today from this point forward. You know, I remember in the early years, me and Pastor Annette, I was, God was, El Shaddai, right? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I was El Cheapo. I thought, yes. It's true. It's true. It's true. I'll tell you why. Because I saw small. I believed small. I kept us in a small living space even. Listen, we lived in a studio apartment in the hood by Fordham Road in the Bronx. And when we moved in, to our surprise, there were already tenants living there. Because the mice and the roaches had no problem with you sharing their space. Times were hard. But you know what I learned over the years? They didn't have to be. They really didn't. I didn't see possibilities. I saw problems. That's how I viewed life. I called God my provider, but I ran the rat race to provide. And I struggled. We struggled. Honey, I'll publicly say this right now. Forgive me for subjecting you and our kids to that. Our oh God is too big for us to think small. But God taught me some things along the way. Today, I thank God for teaching me about generosity. My life, every, everything, everything in my life is His, everything in my life is laid down for His kingdom and for people. And if you've been around any length of time, here's what you know about Pastor Ozzy and Pastor Annette. Here's what you know about the people at Church at the Bridge. We will give you the shirt off our back. And guess what? Not even the shirt on our back. We'll go buy you a brand new one. Because we know God to be that good. And we represent him that way. But I want to I wanna, I wanna just say this flat out because this is one of the lessons that I learned over the years. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. But notice the relationship between the heart and money. The relationship between the heart, the belief, our belief, and money is a powerful one. And we can either master it or we can have a master card. We can be mastered by it. And God wants us to use money for the right purposes to dominate it, to leverage it for opportunities, to advance His kingdom, to be a blessing. Notice that Jesus, in this parable, pointed to a very real issue that exists in the heart of men when it comes to money. We think about ourselves. We think about ourselves. We think about ourselves. And what we fail to realize is that when we think about ourselves in relationship to money, our heart is in the wrong place. See, generosity isn't a matter of giving to God. It's a matter of believing God. Of believing in God. And so it's difficult to get our hearts to consistently become more like God's as a giver. In the area of generosity, specifically because we live in a culture, in an environment, in a world system where there are so many unhealthy dynamics when it comes to money and possessions. Let me give you an example of this. We live as consumers. Have you ever thought about what the word consumer means? Let's look at the root word, consume. Listen to what consume means. It means to do away with completely. It means to destroy. This is the world that we live in. Listen, wherever you look today, there's always an upgraded version of everything. You just got the Apple 12 Pro Max, the the iPhone 12. 12 Pro Max, and the week after you got it, the 13 came out. I got to get it. I got to have it. We've been conditioned to believe that more equals better. But is it? We've been ingrained with with the idea that nothing we have is ever enough. You know, in the early 1900s, the world's first billionaire was a guy named John D. Rockefeller. And they asked him, how much is enough? You know what he responded? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Now, let me, let me, bring, let me, let me, let me ask you this question. If Rockefeller wanted more, do you think that we're any different? Let's think about that. Let's think about that. Let's think about that. You know, research shows that people who moved from lower income to higher income did not increase in their happiness. You ever heard that statement, more money, more problems? It is so true. It is so true. In fact, there's some some remarkable research that was done between the world's richest and the world's poorest. They polled Forbes 400's list. And they were given a survey, and it showed that their satisfaction was rated at the exact same level as people from Maasai in Kenya and the Intuit people of northern Greenland. Now, you might not know who these people are, but these are people that live with no electricity and no running water. I remember my my wife mentioned to me when she was a teenager, they went on a missions trip to Mexico. Mexico and they went there because they were going to go serve people they were going to go bless people and you know what they what they discovered when they got there that these people that had nothing actually were there to bless them they gave up their homes they gave up their beds they gave up their meals there was a wedding that went on while they were there. They were invited as the guests to the wedding. Never mind the bride and groom. Talk about generosity. Talk about generosity. These people knew something that the scripture talks about in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And I know for many of us, we love... Verse 13, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But listen to the context. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in whatever I have. In whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Everything. I have learned the secret of living, listen, of living life. Paul says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Let me make a point about this. You can only be content when you truly understand what you have. You can only be content when you truly understand what you have. Paul understood the secret to life. As long as you have Christ, listen to what he's saying. You have what is most important. Listen, Jesus is not your provider He's your provision. Question for you. Is God enough? Is God enough? Is God in your life enough? And if it is, go look at your bank statement. I'm just saying. We got to really look at this. See, now let me just get very practical for a moment. On a practical level, the truth is that you are rich. I'm going to say that again. You are rich. Go ahead and look at somebody and tell them, you are, you are rich. Got to tell somebody else, you are rich. Now, I know what some of you are saying in your head. The devil's a liar. I know what you're thinking. I know, know oh, some of you, I know... Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. We're spiritually rich as God's children, blah, blah, blah. No, but I'm talking about you are cash money rich. Now, most of you don't feel rich because we suffer from a cancer of sorts in our heart. One that eats away at our understanding of the truth. Most people don't feel rich rich because there are others that are a lot richer than us and we compare ourselves to them. And when you look at somebody else and what they have and what they, and what they possess and what they've accomplished and what they're doing, you feel broke. Let's just talk about it. But let's look at the facts here. Most of you have this contraption called the car, If you own a car, you know what? According to world standards, that puts you in the top 10% in the world. You own a car. Many of you have had the experience where you drove your car and you went to a restaurant where where where, where someone took your order. Maybe you're going there right after you leave here. They cooked for you, and then after they cooked for you, they served you, and then after they served you, they cleaned up after you. Then you drove home, and when you pulled up to your home, you pressed a button and parked your car in its own room. In its own room. And for some of us, we have so much extra stuff that you've filled your car's room, and you can't even fit your car. Then you walk into your climate-controlled house where you have bathrooms. Some of you have two and three and four bathrooms. And in them you have a seat with running water in a hole that magically, magically makes your stuff go away. Now get this. In the majority of the world, what they have is a hole in the ground. I want you to think about this, and I don't mean to be vulgar. I'm not, I'm not being vulgar here, but in some countries, they would kill just to drink the water that's in your toilet. The average rich person, in, an American, and I'm not talking about someone who's got millions. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me, I'm talking about us. The average rich person in America, listen to this, this is statistically proven, gives away 2.8% of their income. Now, logic, common sense says the more you have, the more you'd give. That is absolutely statistically proven to be false. It is false. False. And for people who make more than 100000 get this. For the average person that makes more than 100000 the household, they're giving drops to 2.6%. What does this tell us? You know, we think, we feel we're generous because we do something for someone. Holidays come around and, you know, we feel generous. But the question is, According to the scripture, are you really generous? Do you really reflect the heart of God the Father? And so I want to give us some practical ways to undergo a change of heart with respect to generosity. The first point I want to leave you with here today is that a change of heart begins with a step of faith. I'm going to say that again. A change of heart begins with a step of faith. I don't have time to get into this story, but there's a time where Jesus finds himself uh, confronted by a young man. He says, Jesus, teach me the way of the kingdom. What do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of, of God? And Jesus says to him, you know the law and this, this, and that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You know the law. Give this, give that. You know, don't, don't do this. Don't do that. And then he says to him this. He says to him. I've done all those since I was a kid. And then Jesus says to him this, okay, go and sell all your possessions. It wasn't that Jesus wanted this guy without nothing. It's that Jesus was after his heart. Jesus was inviting him to a step of faith for the purpose of changing his heart. See, God does not want us to live in fear of lack, nor does he want us to be bound to possessions. And when it comes to being generous, I get it. It can be somewhat vague. What does it really mean? How much? How often? How does it really work? The belief for most is that generosity is gauged by what we give, the amount. The truth is that it doesn't deal with a certain amount. Because we're all at different financial levels. But we can all be at the same level if we follow what the scriptures teach us. Now remember that the average American gives 2.8% of their income. Have you ever stopped to check what the scripture says about where the baseline is for us? The baseline. 10%. Now, let me ask you a question. If God is your provider, right, I want you to think about yourself as being a giver. Would you ever give to this extent where you say, you know what, I'm going to give you 100%. And I just want you to give me 10% and you keep 90%. I guarantee you that many of us would feel cheated. We would feel like that's a bad investment. God says, it's a good one. It's a good one. Because you see, he's not after money. He's after the heart. It's called the tithe. Some people argue that the tithe doesn't matter today because it was instituted by God under the Old Testament religious laws. But if you study the scriptures, you'll see that it came before the law. Before the law. Abraham came before the law. And listen to what Jesus himself said about the tithe. Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Listen to what he calls them. He says, you hypocrites. Watch why he calls them hypocrites. He says, you give a tenth of your spices. So the issue isn't that they don't tithe. They do tithe. He says, you give your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Listen to what was going on there in their heart. They were neglecting justice. Mercy and faithfulness. Listen to what he says about the tithe. You should have practiced the latter, in other words, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. So here's a question Are you neglecting it? Are you neglecting it? And notice to what Jesus says about them. These people were givers he says you're hypocrites why does he call them hypocrites because their heart wasn't attached to their generosity it was monotony this is why i made this statement at the beginning and i will say this again if you do not give i can't speak for anybody else i can't speak for any other churches but if you bring a gift here can i encourage you with this if your heart's not in it keep it Keep it. Don't do it because church at the bridge needs it. I say this respectfully. We do not depend on people. We depend on God. We depend on God. We always have. We always have. When we came into this building... We didn't have the money to buy this building. The owner, who's sitting right here in this crowd today, says to me, what's your vision? What do you feel God placed on your heart? And I just began to share with him our heart. The man leased us the building when he had a cash offer for this building. Listen. The best place you could ever be is in a place where you depend on God, not people. And, I, and I'm not dismissing you. I'm not dismissing your gift. I know that God works through people. So please don't take offense. But I'm just being transparent about this. I'm being transparent about this. So the, the Pharisees, they were people of faith, so to speak. They gave, but they gave with no faith at all. Their will was involved, but their heart wasn't. So let me just quickly just go over a couple of things because I'm running out of time in regards to tithing. Let me just address this. Why why should we tithe? Number one, because tithing teaches us to put God first. Tithing teaches us to put God first. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to point you to the scriptures. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. It says, you must set aside a tithe of your crops. One-tenth of all the crops... You you harvest each year. In those days, crops was the equivalent of money. Agricultural system in those days. He says, bring the tithe to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. In today's day and age, if you call church at the bridge at your home, it's talking about here. Now watch this. And eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Listen to this. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. That word fear there speaks of reverence. So what we, what we see is that tithing is an opportunity to learn, to put God first. Listen, whatever you put before money, I can guarantee you this. It is important. It's important. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. If I start tithing regularly, I would have to rearrange my whole life around God. Yep. That's the point. That's what life is supposed to look like. Yes. That's the point. The second thing that I want you to see about the tithe is that tithing builds our faith. I'm going to say that again. Tithing builds our faith. Malachi 3, 10, and 11 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. I thank God for Bible-believing, God-fearing, people-loving tithers in this house. Because we are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond because of your faithfulness. Because of God working through you. He says, so bring all the tithes. Notice it doesn't say bring a portion of what your tithe is. He says, bring it all. And, And mind you, let me just be very clear on this. This is God speaking, not me. It says, bring all the tithe into your into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, watch this. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour a, a blessing so great you won't have enough room to, to, to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, here's where many people go wrong. We read that and we go, yes, more for me. No, it's more for we. Amen. It's more for God's kingdom. It's more to reach people. It's more to serve people. It's more, listen to this, to bring glory to God. Let me ask you a question. If people were to look at the way you give, what you do with your finances, would they even be able to recognize that God is real? Would there be something about your account that says, this person honors God? Think about this. I know these are probing questions. Pastor, why are you getting on all lip in my business? I'm not. We're just looking at the word. Now, I want you to consider something about Malachi chapter 3. This is the only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, try it. A couple of years back, actually when we first began, I was teaching on giving and I I made this statement. People looked at me like I was crazy. I said, if you struggle with tithing, try it. Try it for the next 90 days. And if you do it with the right heart and it doesn't bring back a harvest unto you, come back and we'll look over the records and we will return everything back to you. Put that out there. I did. I had some pastors that told me, bro, you are nuts. That is crazy. But I'm going to tell you why it's not crazy. Because when you do things God's way, get this, you get God's results. You get God's results. This is scriptural, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't isn't the idea of men. This isn't about manipulating anybody. This is about doing what the scriptures tell us. This is about honoring God. Now, listen, this doesn't mean that money is going to begin to rain down upon you. Because that's where some people get caught up in a trap. Oh, this is just, this is the perfect scheme. And God's got to come through. So I'm going to just do it so God could do it for me. You have the wrong heart. Don't even try to do it. But you know what it does mean? Your provision in all areas of life will abound. It will abound. So I got to, I'm three minutes over. I'll wrap this up pretty quick. Next point I want to give you is that generosity is a muscle. It's a muscle. You know, some time ago I went down on my motorcycle and I hurt my, my, my shoulder. And uh, my natural response to the injury that I sustained due to, you know, some old scar tissue that got jumbled up in there and created some real complications for my shoulder. My natural response was to nurse it and to restrict it. And I did that for about a year. Some of you, maybe you caught on at some point, but there was a time where you would come give me a hug and I would do this. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. I wouldn't even lift this arm. That's how excruciating the pain was. So my natural response was to nurse it. And then one day I found myself at a routine checkup. And the doctor says to me, the worst thing you can do to your shoulder is to keep it restricted. You've got to break that scar tissue up. Now, here I am praying for healing, believing that God has healed me, and not participating with my healing. Because healing requires action. That was free, by the way. That has nothing to do with this message. But listen, I started to work that shoulder. Put it into action. And what I found out was this, that the more I did it, the stronger it became and the more mobility and use I had with it. See, generosity is a lot like a muscle. If you don't work it, you won't grow. Amen. Some of us, we can't, we, we, we can't even fathom being generous. Why? Because we don't, we've never even tried to work the muscle. Worried about the pain. And I'm going to tell you this. When you start living generously and giving generously, you will feel it. It, You will be sore at first. I know some of you, you know, beginning of the year comes around, you go, you make these declarations. I'm going to work out five days a week. And you work out the first day. And the next day you wake up and you go, oh, my God. Lord, take me home. I'm in so much pain. You know why you're in pain? Because you haven't been using that muscle. You know why giving hurts for some of us? Because we're not used to using that muscle. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 says this, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be Enriched in every way so that you can be generous. Listen to this, on every occasion. Now for some of us, we look at how much we tithe and we go, man, I'm generous. Let me ask you a question. Does your offering look generous? Does the way you use your time look generous? Does your service unto the kingdom look generous? Generous. When people look at your life, are you, listen, will the dash between your beginning date and your end date in life, will that dash equal generous, godly? Will it equal that? Will it say that? I know this is tough. I know we're working out some muscles. We got to stretch these muscles. You know, the consumer lives with a scarcity mentality. The scarcity mentality is God supplies, we consume. And then here's what happens next. We lack, we fear after that, and then here's what ends up happening. We repeat the cycle all over again. But the generous person is equated to a sower. And the sower lives with a generosity mentality. A generosity mentality is this, God supplies. Yeah, we have seed to sow but we also have bread to eat both have the same supply each one does something differently so the sower lives with the just generosity mentality God supplies we give he multiplies we grow we repeat and this 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 kingdom principle never fails so instead of living in atrophy where your faith is weakened By the day, let me encourage you to exercise this muscle of generosity by actually living it. By actually living it. The last point I want to leave you with here is this, and this one is going to bother some of us less is more, less is more. Our culture programs us to believe that bigger is better, but it's a lie. It's a lie. Listen, King Solomon was the richest man to ever live. It's estimated that his uh, monetary worth in his day was 10 times more than that of Jeff Bezos in today's money. If you don't know who that is, that's the owner of Amazon. Multi-billionaire. And so at the latter part of his life, King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 4.6, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I want you to see something. Better better one handful, right, with tranquility. Why? Because there's another one that's free. Than two handfuls With toil and chasing after the wind. Let me tell you what it looks like for the person who isn't generous according to the wisdom that God imparts to us through the life of this man Solomon. Now, I can't mimic a wind, but I'll try. Let me ask you a question. Where'd it go? Can you see it? Can you grab it? Can you hold it? Can you touch it? Can you reach it? Can you keep up with it? You can't. And listen to what God tells us through this man Solomon, the wisdom. Better is one hand that's full. A couple of things happen when you have one hand. Number one, you can pass it along. Number two, you have room to receive more. Number three, you have room to give more. To be a tool in God's hands, to advance his kingdom, to touch lives, to transform people, to transform communities, to bring God glory. You know, we talk about all, all for the glory of God. Really? So, what I want to leave you with here as we stand and come to a close is this. I'm going to read it to you again and I want you to get this visual. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Get this, as long as you are occupied with everything that you have, you cannot be occupied with what God wants to do through your hands. Here's what God wants to do. Release. Release. Because as you receive... And you release. You can receive and you can release more. God has blessed each and every one of us with a distinguished call. To resemble him most by the very thing that he exemplified when it came to bringing the solution to the entire world. To give. And so today as we close, I leave you with a question. Are you truly generous? Now the point that I was making is that less is more. See, it all boils down to having less of what doesn't matter so we can have more of what does. Ask yourself what really matters. Think of it this way. If you were told today you have one month left to live, I guarantee you this. You wouldn't be thinking about how much more money you could make. You wouldn't be thinking about calling U-Haul to schedule a trailer to attach to the hearse that's going to carry you to the ground. No, you know what be thinking about? We'd be thinking about what's most important we'd be thinking about relationship with God. We'd be thinking about the measure of the impact that our lives have made. We'd be thinking about our family and friends and loved ones. We'd be thinking about what's most important. I can assure you this, it's time to cut back and cut cut out some of the things that have our hands tied up and so full that we can't even receive the heart of God. And take on a new heart. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.